we've found a new and better way to experience Game of Thrones. iBooks has an exclusive version of George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones called the Enhanced Editions that help you keep track of the storylines and the characters in a fun and interactive way. You'll never need to consult the Clegane family tree again. These books are available exclusively on iBooks. Go to apple.co slash Game of Thrones to check them out. They're not available in all countries, but they're probably available where you live. That's apple.co slash Game of Thrones. What does annulment mean? It's when a man sets aside his lawful wife. Maynard says here that he issued an annulment for Prince Ragger and remarried him to someone else at the same time in a secret ceremony in Dawn. Is that a common thing in the South? These maesters, they set me to the task of preserving that man's Wind accounting and annulments and bowel movements for all eternity, while the secret to defeating the Night King is probably sitting on some dusty shelf somewhere, completely ignored. But that's all right, isn't it? We can all become slavering, murderous imbeciles enthralled to evil incarnate as long as we can have access to the full records of High Septon Maynard's 15,782 shits. Steps. Ravens. I love that this is now my second time on this podcast and we're just coming up with good like business ideas. We we still need to make <laughs> yeah. the Westeros diving team t-shirts. <laughs> That's still like my favorite joke of this season. <laughs> I just thought about that the other day because I saw people making the joke about Braun and Jamie being, they're basically the Westeros swim team now since they made it oh, out of yeah, the Blackwater yeah, yeah. rush so easily. And so it's only fair if we have the swim team that we also have the diving team you know what we should have done for our watch party is just make limited edition all of our inside jokes from across all of us like this whole season just make like 20 of each shirt and people <laughs> buy them do you think that they will really people bought clegane bull shirts at con of thrones you guys that's i'm true. wearing mine right now <gasps> she's wearing mine right now and i know says, that's really brown nosy but <laughs> no it says hashtag Get hype hashtag 2K17 on it. It's amazing. <laughs> so, Best purchase I've made all summer. Yeah, same. This is Game of Bones. Thank you, everyone, for You're joining us. Amazing. Kim Renfro is back on the show. Hi, guys. Couldn't Thanks stay away. Me. I know. <laughs> I came crawling back right away. I'm glad that you guys let me let me in so soon again. Of course. This was born from a conversation from this afternoon when we were talking about Brooklyn. And just naturally, Game of Thrones conversation came up and you've had quite a day with the leak from last night i guess quite a night quite a morning and quite a day yeah that was insane i got home last night from dinner at like 8 45 9 and i usually just scroll through reddit before i go to bed and i was i was looking and seeing all these people start talking about like oh my god episode leaked and i feel like every once in a while that happens and it winds up not actually being true or it's just one person kind of putting out an image or something. But I started tracking it on the different subreddits and like the free folk subreddit and on Twitter. And when I realized that it was happening and there was like, there was a guy in Spain live streaming the episode on Instagram. Oh, on Instagram. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It was the weirdest thing. And I, I wound up, yeah, I wound up being up until like one in the morning, just kind of tracking the evolution of what was happening. And I, you know, emailed HBO to try and see if they knew what was going on. And 
wrote up a report and that like those are the times that it's weird to be a reporter and also be someone who's really personally attached to the show but it was like I felt duty bound to report the news but that meant that I had to verify that it was true which meant that I kind of had to seek out at least like a little bit of these leaks and then once I realized what was happening I was like oh my god so how do you avoid getting completely spoiled in that situation when you're trying to balance between as you're saying reporting it out and doing your job and and trying to stay away from figuring out the answers to something after you've invested so much time in the build up to it right i mean i'm personally i don't i don't mind spoilers these days anymore because it 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 just comes with the territory of this being mm-hmm. my job to kind of know what's going on among the fandom so that part didn't bother me but i definitely like i don't seek out full episodes and all that jazz but i mean inevitably i i wind up finding out some main plot points like even later today on twitter a bunch of trolls kept like tweeting at me or replying to something that was totally not related whatsoever to the episode with like a screenshot of something that happened and i was like really guys like yeah i i don't even mind for my sake but it sucks because i have people who are following me that might accidentally get that pushed into their timeline mm-hmm. and it's just it's just so crummy that there's this like voracious appetite among a subset of the community that are really really into leaks and really really into spoilers but some of them seem to like not be able to keep that to themselves like it's fine mm-hmm. if you personally enjoy being spoiled i'm not going to it's none of my business to tell you like what to not seek out but don't ruin it for other people for no reason you know especially with the way that the twitter algorithm is set up these days i feel like even if you're not seeking out spoilers if you're following a lot of game of thrones content you are gonna if there's other people in your sphere who are tweeting about it and who are leaking spoilers and who are being trolls then you're inevitably gonna see some of it end up on your timeline so you'll have to be a little extra careful (laughs) these last couple weeks i feel like yeah and it's it's crazy that it happened on a tuesday night even you know when it when this the same thing happened with spoils of war a couple of weeks ago at least that was like on a late in the week right it was fr- it was friday morning i think if i remember yeah it was early friday morning and so if you really needed to stay off social media you could probably deal with that for 36 hours or whatnot but the fact that this is now next 5 days people are going to have to be in constant vigilance mode it, it just sucks you know what an episode to leak the last sequence we saw of Eastwatch was the Magnificent Seven yeah. heading north. I just rewatched it before we came on and I just was amazed at just, I know that they're not real characters, but the mystical bravery of these guys walking into the north when they know what's out there. That was such a cool final scene of the episode. And so we can only expect, especially with that preview, the most mm-hmm. fierce preview. Winter is here, basically, so in this next episode. What? An episode to leak. Yeah. And I feel like with so many wonderful shows launching on places like Netflix that present their episodes all at once, Game of Thrones and the other shows on HBO and other network television, but Game of Thrones right now for the scale that it is, at least for myself, because I don't watch a lot of TV, Game of Thrones kind of is the last bastion of that part of the way we watch television where it's a, a weekly event. And when something like this happens this early in the week, and I don't know, it just kind of takes the, uh, the wind out of... Everyone sails a little bit. And totally. a lot of people don't want to be mm-hmm. spoiled. That's a shame. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I totally agree with what you were saying earlier, Kim, is that if people want to seek out spoilers and if you're the kind of person who's interested in watching 
an episode before it airs as a leak or if you want to read about it, you know, that's your own deal. But kind of keeping that to yourself, I think, is important because so many of us do choose to kind of, as much as we can, stay out of that arena. And I think that for all of us, it kind of comes with the territory in a small way because of of how we participate and, and interact with the show. But keeping it to ourselves as we all try to enjoy this on so many different levels is important. Did you watch the leak, Hannah? No. no. <laughs> you know I could not even. <laughs> so I did not. I'm not even tempted to because I don't want to see what's going to happen north of the wall from some third party blurry. I think it's a full res rip. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. See, I well, don't because... even know that because that's how much I'm avoiding it. Yeah. The other really interesting thing to me about this season and the leaks in particular is that it feels like the volume is ramping up and it's coming from a lot of different sides. Like this week, the leak wasn't even technically a leak so much as it was an accident because Mm -hmm. the official HBO, Spain, España, and Nordic channels just aired it in what was the middle of the night for the US. But um, so the fact that it was even out there for they didn't tell me specifically how long, but it was long enough that someone was able to capture the entire thing and download it. And so the fact that like that came actually from HBO's internal system, but then we have the whole hack issue that we're dealing with. And then there's the like third wave of leaks, which started, I think, nine months ago, 10 months ago at this point, which was these mm-hmm. anonymous Redditors who claimed to have some sort of tie to the show. And they spelled out like all the plot points for season seven ahead of time and so it's just nuts to me that i feel like the show has grown into this beast that like cannot be contained at Mm -hmm. this point because we're heading into the final season we're fully off book material i think that you can make the case that season six still had some threads of the winds or not the winds of winter of a dance with dragons going throughout it Whereas this is completely new. And I think that like what I'm gathering is that there's there's some book readers or people who really enjoyed always knowing what was about to happen that are not okay with not knowing anymore. And so they're just kind of going ham with anything that you can get your hands on. And so it's just really interesting. I think, again, just like going back to my reporter perspective on this, probably between the seasons, I'm going to try to to talk to a lot of people and report out sort of what's going on, because I do feel like there's this, there's this schism happening in the fandom between people that really don't care. They know that they're not going to get the winds of winter or dream of spring before the finale. And they just want to know what happens. And then there are the people that are content to go week by week and just let David and Dan tell their story. Yeah. Especially as they roll into season eight and things like this are only going to continue to become a bigger issue. Can you imagine if, the finale of Game of Thrones leaks. Or like there are people running around on Twitter telling everybody how it ends. Yeah, if the answer to the Song of Ice and Fire or the sheet music was, you know, a week before everyone saw it or two weeks or three weeks, you know, depending. Yeah, that would be a bummer. Yeah. I imagine though that they're going to, I mean, they've buckled down, I'm sure, as far as filming fake scenes even for Pothparazzi. Do you think that's true? I think Kit was lying. Kit lies all the time. <laughs> what? I mean, well, it's funny. It's fun to say. I was watching. 
I don't know. I get in like YouTube rabbit holes sometimes of watching like old clips of the actors and stuff because I sometimes wonder if they might have said something in the past that is more relevant now, but we didn't realize before. But anyways, if you watch all of all of Kit Harrington's pressers from before season six, he is such a good liar and consistently was getting people like all these different talk show hosts to be like, oh, okay, you're definitely dead. You're definitely not coming back. Like blah, blah, blah. blah. <laughs> so as soon as he, as soon as he's, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel, right? That he, he told them that he filmed like 15 hours of fake scenes to throw off the paparazzi. I was like, that's not true. You like, you're just saying that so that the people that have seen those will doubt that it's real. I definitely just heard yeah, what he said. What it- so I'm just like propagating his life. <laughs> you're a shill i'm a shilling for Jon snow right now (laughs) i mean that's fine i'm a shill for Jon snow like all the time i heard well what if he was filming fan fiction stuff you know what i mean like they needed to pull the material from somewhere so they're like let's just go deep into the internet and find whatever scenarios are already written out there let's make some up and filmed those just go nuts let's make some up i don't know i think it's a liar (laughs) the other reason why i said that was because actually this morning i interviewed robert mclaughlin who's one of the cinematographers the director of photography for he did east watch and spoils of war this season and i asked him what it was like because they were obviously filming a lot of Dragonstone scenes. And those were some of the, I feel like the, that time that they spent in Spain and like on that beach were when most of the production leaks were happening. And we were getting mm-hmm. all these like grainy photos of Danny and John's like standing near each other. And I kind of asked him what that was like. And he seemed just sort of unfazed by it. He, he said that they all realized that it was happening because they could see people like up on the cliffs with these long telephoto lenses. And then the one that he, um, the one that he specifically told me about was the Gendry Davos and Tyrion scene with the gold cloaks. Someone recorded that entire scene and put it online like five months ago, I think, or something. And, and I asked him, I was like, well, is that really like, how does that feel for you as professionals who are, putting all this effort into making this thing and then a like grainy version of it appears online months ago. And he was just like, we all have so many bigger things to be worrying about when we're on set that it was not affecting him or his crew. Like they knew they realized that it was happening, but they just immediately were thinking of more important things like the tide that was coming into the beach and other stuff like that. And I thought that was really interesting because I was kind of expecting him like to be that. really disappointed, but he was like, it's, it is what it is. And we don't let it affect us like on the day to day. I like that. That must've been a fun conversation. He's one of the people responsible for the look of Westworld for a lot of the iconic episodes of Game of Thrones. Yeah. He did the red wedding mm-hmm. um, and Misa in season three. And of course, now I'm blanking on his season five episodes, but Dance of Dragons, I remember. And I Spools of Horror, which I mean, I think is just something that we can just start talking. We can just start saying out loud now that kind of stands on its own. Yeah, that was incredible. Do you know if he's coming back for season seven? Season eight. Season eight. Yeah. No, he's not. He said he's done. Um, Oh. Yeah, I know. He, He was, he seemed a little bit disappointed about that. But at the same time, he said that like it's such a it's such a beast to work on and he he's doing a lot of other shows they he works on Ray Donovan 
And they had just wrapped doing that. And he said that he was kind of looking forward to some uh, rest and relaxation. <laughs> and so I was like, I don't blame you. If you like, if you pulled off spoils of war yeah. and Eastwatch, East that was probably yeah, an seriously. insane amount of work. So yeah, unfortunately, we're not going to be getting him back. Hannah and I were just talking about the look of the show on Rewatch the Throne. We were we made it to the we made it to Blackwater. And we were talking a lot of, we were speaking on the sort of look of the series moving forward and the big first battle set piece for the showrunners and for the creators of the show to tackle. Yeah, like we were in a renaissance fair almost with the bright colors and the introduction to all these big armies. And we spent a lot of time in the first seasons in the Lannister camp or in the Stark camp with Rob. And so I feel like that transitions kind of as we move through Blackwater, it, it gets darker and we've got that first major battle and even looking at the budget that we had then versus the budget that we're dealing with now they managed to pull off this unbelievable scene um and and you know the budget was looked nothing like we're dealing with now and so it's kind of fun to see that progression from medieval renaissance fair to like epic fantasy high fantasy yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. i actually specifically talked with uh, Robert McLaughlin about that because it's definitely something that I've noticed like the fact that part part of my job is to get screenshots of certain scenes or whatever the show has literally become so dark that it is very hard to like capture <laughs> certain like certain things happen and I'm just like oh my god I can't so like, I have to brighten everything I have to brighten and adjust the lighting on everything and I know that that's probably terrible for them because they put all this effort into making it into a certain mood but I'm like people literally can't see who's in this picture on their phone if I don't change it. Anyway, so he did, he said that that's, that's been kind of like a deliberate thing that's been slowly happening over the course of the seasons. And especially right now, like he pointed out that they try as much as possible to use natural lighting because they want all of these settings to feel real and as naturalistic as possible. And so now that it's winter, they have to shut all of the windows, like in interior scenes, like in Winterfell, for example. He said in earlier seasons, they would have all the windows open and that would be their natural source of light. But now it's impractical for these lords and ladies to be walking around a castle with all their windows wide open if it's wintertime. And so they've like the one of the bigger challenges for him has been trying to figure out how to use candlelight and other like possible just on-set lighting that still looks still looks natural but it's also meant to be a lot darker now everywhere just because it's it's the nature of what's going on thematically which is like such a fun problem to solve right Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's a cool (laughs) thing i appreciate the polish and the scale the severity of the camera movements the fact that they i don't know just every single tiny thing is understood as tight as a tarantino movie now it feels like and with a director like Matt Jackman, who has the track record that he has, who now has the track record of directing these two fantastic episodes in the middle of Game of Thrones' biggest season, each episode successively becoming the record-setting episode after the other, I'm wondering what season eight's going to be like with director Miguel Sapochnik teasing his return with someone like Robert McLaughlin not being in the... I'm just curious about their approach to... I feel like if there's a responsibility every time they approach a new season of the show, and I know that there's so much more to worry about that it's probably the grandeur, I guess, and the scale of what kind of legacy they leave might, might not be at the top of their minds, but I'm so excited to see the rest of the season and 
also just ahead of time excited for the new faces and what they'll do with their final you know handful of episodes like the final shot who will they give a chance yeah i really really hope miguel spachnik comes back because his the level of vision that he brings is it just keeps blowing me away and so i but all of the directors are so phenomenal like you said it it will i feel like it's not even a matter of who it's like who gets which episodes and who will have time yeah who do we have time to to actually highlight Mm -hmm. i do think though as we finish watching blackwater as we're coming off of episode four and how i felt about episode four i do think that the depth that george r R. martin very obviously is going to bring to his own story i do feel like the depth was more present in this episode as a whole for me personally. And and so we got some of that same satisfaction that comes from having the author himself divulge all this information. You know, like I could feel in a lot of the different conversations between the very obvious Gilly thing, but conversations between all these different characters about their backstories and their histories and and the people that they've come from and where they've been since they've last seen each other or since they've last heard of each other, that there was a depth to there that, in my opinion, doesn't always come across, especially as we're off book territory. But it kind of came back home a little bit in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They even went as far back as to give Jorah and Thoros a little nod to mm-hmm. one another um, because they fought at the Battle of Pike back at the end of Robert's Rebellion. And that, yeah, exactly. It's it's those little moments that remind you of the very deep history in this world that I think really it makes an episode shine a little bit more. And Tyrion and Jorah had their moment on the beach yeah. outside of Dragonstone, a callback to season five. We were getting mm-hmm. sentimental for season five. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it has been a while ago. Yeah, yeah, it really is. <laughs> but it was such a touching moment. He, I feel like no one's given him that level, apart from Danny when she doles it out to him. But the level of he, he looks right at Jorah and he said, "Your queen needs you." Yeah, that's all. I think that's oh. all he's wanted to hear. He also made fun of him, though. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but, Tyrion but yes, can be such the a sentiments little, there. Tyrion just really grinds my gears sometimes <laughs> when he has to go and do that. But then, but then you get these amazing, like the Tyrion Jamie scene practically had me crying. I was like, what's going on? This is so beautiful. They're almost uh, crying. Yeah. In that scene, which I, oh. I noticed on my, on my rewatch, they have tears in their eyes. They absolutely do. Oh. Or maybe that's me just like reading into it. <laughs> it's all the natural <laughs> fire that they no. had to light the set. I saw that. But I, there's like real emotion there. That was heartbreaking. Tyrion's sparring sword joke almost landed. Almost. He almost got him. It came close. Well, I think that made Jamie feel even more emotional because he's like, my brother is still <laughs> yeah. my brother. He's got a point. Sparring sword, you know. It's kind of funny. Kim, since you weren't here, and we can get into your specific own before we read listener owns, but just curious, your overall thoughts and feelings and big moments of this episode that kind of stood out to you that you liked the most or have the most feelings on. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the two things that... I think the two separate themes of the episode that stuck with me most were John really coming into his own as a king and as a leader and just an amazing man who we all love. But also there were so many reunions and I think that they Mm -hmm. really nailed 
every one of those smaller moments that could have easily strayed into getting too fan servicey. And I think mm-hmm. you can argue that some of them maybe did, but I, I personally was buying into what they were selling me when it came to all of these different people coming together again. And I loved that. But yeah, I mean, similar to how I think Spoils of War was so amazing for me because it was very Jamie centric and really moved his character forward and in more complex ways that I loved. I really loved Eastwatch because of all of the John moments that we got and the huge, huge bombshell reveal about Prince Ragger, as uh, as Gilly calls him. But that like totally shocked me and I think shocked a lot of people because mm-hmm. as much as we've all discussed R plus L equals J for our entire lives. The wind blowing so violently, the natural lighting... The King of the North standing for some reason on that beautiful location. I was into it. cliff brooding. Also, sorry, not to keep like promoting my own interview that I just did. No, please. please. But but Robert McLaughlin told me that that like it was so windy that day that they were genuinely afraid that Kit Harrington was going to blow off the cliff. Oh, could his, you imagine? Because like <laughs> his, the cape that he wears is so heavy and it kept catching in the wind. Say. So they had him tied down to, like with a safety harness for that entire no dragon scene. Way. That's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Right? That makes the whole scene even more unbelievable. It, he would have been a Kit kite. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh. Kit, you're doing amazing. That is so that is so cool. And I, I just feel like we had that long, gratuitous shot of him just standing <sighs> on the cliff with nothing else as the wind almost blows him over. It was so That's, glorious. It was beautiful. It was really beautiful. Also, did you guys notice that his costuming, like his costume was getting darker, like almost black. And because this episode was so like Rhaegar, who's your father, heavy, I was just like, oh my God, you're sh- if you wear a red and black suit of armor i'm going to die <laughs> like, yeah. i i cannot handle there's been a lot of photoshop of right? people putting him in the the black and red i personally have only been thinking about the fact that his fur cape is made out of an ikea rug <laughs> but that's <laughs> just me well, that was, was that the, i thought that those were just the knights like the black knight's watch <laughs> I don't know. it's just been making a resurgence around the internet of everybody with how to make your own john snow cape Clicks. So, so many clicks. Halloween's just around the corner. Oh my god, I will 100% be. I was Jon Snow for Halloween last year. Yes, you were. Sort of. We need to post <laughs> If only I had the Ikea Ikea rug. If only I had paid attention enough, I could have maybe upped my costume. I know. But Michelle Clapton's been uh, holding out on fans who have been trying to recreate this forever. I know. Not cool. So I loved it because I love Jon forever and always. Also, the moment when he stood up to Daenerys... And every so some people kept pointing this out because he said, "What was the exact word?" He said, "Like pardon your grace, but I don't need Let your just permission." Let me the gift you sent me. Hold oh on. my god! Yes, pardon <laughs> With me. With respect, your grace, I don't need your permission. <laughs> I am a king. He doesn't say it like that. He just close like, enough. Like, we've never really heard him assert himself as a king. He's kind of like he's he's spoken to his lords and said, you know you named me your king. And then he had Davos introduce him when he first got to Dragonstone. But to hear him be like, no, lady, I'm 
I'm a king and I'm in charge of my own people and my own decisions and I'm going to do this thing. And I saw people point out, you know, we had the Joffrey and Tommen tantrums where they say like, I am the king, I need to do blah, blah, blah. And it basically spelled out their doom because Tywin Lannister said that any king who needs to say I am the king is no true king. But my counter to that is that Jon didn't say I am the king. He just said like, I am a king. I, like, you might not recognize my claim to the North, but I am a king in this land, and I'm going to do as I please. I totally agree with the fact that I don't I don't see it as the same Joffrey-esque type tantrum, which I know you're not making the exact comparison, but I think it specifically is really interesting because so much of Johnny and Johnny... <laughs> John O. <laughs> Thanks, Ozzy, man. <laughs> John and Danny. Danny. (laughs) There's too many ship names to keep track of. So much of of John and Daenerys' interactions have been John very much. He's been very respectful of the position that she holds. And he's been speaking to her as your grace. And while she hasn't quite given him the same respect in that manner back, like she hasn't addressed him in the way that I think he would or Davos would prefer that he's addressed. And so to have him assert himself in that specific moment and to just like let as like an understanding of I am a king, you know, I've been here to try to see if I could work with you and and speak with you and, you know, figure out what to do for my people. But at the end of the day, I'm a king. And so I liked that he did that in a way that wasn't, it's not out of character, but we just haven't seen him assert himself like that. Yeah, he was just kind of like calling her bluff a little bit mm-hmm. because I think she just wanted him to stay because she likes having him around. And he was kind of being like, I'm not your prisoner and I'm a king. Mm-hmm. So. So bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Guys, the game of Thrones Twitter account is hacked right now. Wait, what? What? Latest tweet. It says, hi, our <gasps> mind are here. We are just testing your security. HBO team, please contact us to upgrade the security. Holy I'll bleep out the URLs. That's screenshot. I mean, Kim's got to work on this right now, everybody. Uh, I mean, talking about leaks and all this kind of stuff that's been happening. That's strange. Yeah, this hacker situation. (laughs) Someone commented, was the password winter is here? (laughs) (laughs) This is nuts. Well, because so the whoever hacked them... It's interesting that both of like the full episode leaks haven't even come from this insane like cybersecurity hack that they've been, that HBO has had. Mm-hmm. But I I know that that whoever that person is or that group has been using the name Littlefinger Six Six. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> which is like there's part of me that's disappointed in whoever these anonymous jerks are that they didn't. <laughs> Go with Littlefinger69. Yeah, he <laughs> but, was right in front of them. <laughs> but, but I mean, kudos to them for being more mature than me, apparently. I liked it. This is so weird. Like, I feel like... Do they get the own? No. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sometimes Joffrey got what? owns back in the day. That's People like, didn't like what he did, uh, but he did. They aren't Joffrey. They're no. like Varys if Varys was mean and not serving the realm. I mean, They're it's kind of fun. Right? Oh, yes. No. Mm. No. <laughs> I think you're alone on this one. I'm sorry. They're shaking stuff up a little bit. That's for sure. It just stresses me out. That's all. Where does it end? You're going right. to take our stories. That's all we got. Right. The world's hard enough. I don't want to know 
how Game of Thrones ends because some person who couldn't come up with a better name than Littlefinger Six Six <laughs> tells you. Paint a target on back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Holy shit! They're just hacked. Oh my god! This is our. You probably you know everything about this already, and it's probably no one cares. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> we'll <just> cut it all. <laughs> I would say it's just Twitter, but we have a musical segment coming up later in the episode where we read a lot of Twitter. So. Maybe you're interested. You can't say it's just Twitter to any of us yeah. here. This is nuts. <laughs> Sorry if my brain goes elsewhere. All good. And the same thing happened with the um, with the full episode airing last night. Was that when I first emailed HBO to ask for a comment, I don't think that they even knew about it yet. <laughs> like I was probably one of the earlier people alerting them, unless they were just trying to figure out how to deal with it and didn't have time to get back to me, which is also very possible, but I hope you alerted it to them to it or you were one of the first people. That would be the best. That would be pretty awesome. <laughs> but I like, that would be so cool. Like, the I'm going to believe that, that you were happening off hours for them sucks. You got to have a man at the desk. Someone right? when Game right. of Thrones has got a Twitter account, they've got to be on the button at all times. Apparently. Yeah. Their Twitter presence is really interesting. Because I feel like they go from sometimes being like retweet crazy to just, oh my God, wait, this also makes something make sense because I I somewhat frequently go and see what tweets the official Game of Thrones account has liked. Mostly it's like an ego thing because I try and see if they've liked (laughs) any of my tweets recently. (laughs) They like a lot of your tweets. (laughs) But they, the official Game of Thrones account liked a tweet that was a screenshot from Beyond the Wall. Oh. And when I saw that, I was like, what? Like, why would you have done that? But what if it was someone who had hacked them a few hours oh. ago? What if this is internal? Yeah, why would they like that? What if <laughs> there's internal. a coup? What if they're not happy with the finale of season seven internally and they want to change it? No. Just saying. <laughs> You're putting on your grade A tinfoil hat right now. <laughs> That's what we're here for, okay? <laughs> Why don't you write about that on Reddit somewhere and they'll get some. All right, now they've gotten at Ballers HBO that they've gone too far. <laughs> okay, I'm so sorry. Okay, I'm going to read the question. I'm going to, okay, we're good. I'm back in it. Wait, they tweeted something okay. new. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> that, I literally okay, just, okay. my hand just jumped to my, <laughs> to my, <laughs> to my laptop. What a okay. night. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Podcast. 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 I mean, the only thing I need to go back for is a tweet that you're doing amazing, sweetie picture. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's true. Why don't we do the questions? Well, yeah, while HBO gets hacked, we'll, uh, we'll talk questions about, <laughs> about this episode. Um, as always, we asked on our different social media platforms and on Watches on the Wall a couple different discussion questions that I think fairly encompass what happened in this episode. And... There's a couple of these that I'm super excited to ask you guys about because I have a lot of thoughts and theories. Um, but the first one is kind of a two-part question. It says, did Daenerys make the right decision in burning Randall and Dickon? Will her actions affect her relationship with Tyrion moving forward? I think she was well within her right, given given the stipulations that she put out there. Like she didn't, it's not like she flipped in the middle of a negotiation with them and said, No, I'm gonna burn you now. I changed my mind. Right. Like the terms were clear. If anything, I would I would invert this question and say like did Randall make the right decision in choosing 
to burn and not only burn, but have his son die next to him instead of just sucking it up. Especially after just flipping sides. Right? Right. Yeah. Tyrion made a very good point, which was like, your loyalty is obviously flexible. And another thing that I, a parallel that I saw in this scene, I, I think I, I think I went into it expecting to feel like Daenerys was crossing a line and, you know, there's all of the, the mad queen, whatever parallels that you want to make. But if anything, the parallel that I was seeing was between Randall and Ned Stark in season one. And because the same option was brought up of, we can, you know, we can send you to the wall instead. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they said that to Randall, I was expecting him, I was expecting him to, to cave for the sake of his child in the same way that Ned did, because Ned was being such a stick in the mud about his honor right up until Varys reminded him that Sansa would die if he didn't just do whatever Cersei wanted. And so I was kind of, I, w- I, w- I thought that Randall should have let Dickon, I don't know, like, bend, like, like convinced Dickon to bend the knee and like, or I, I thought Randall maybe should have bent the knee first so that Dickon would follow in his, Knowing what a son would do. Right. Yeah. And like let him live. But instead they were just uh, Yeah. That was rough. Yeah, it's been interesting because so many of the comments I feel like have been fairly divided in terms of whether or not people think that Danny made the right choice, whether it was the right military move versus the right political move, or whether she did it because she wanted to or did it out of you know, backed herself into a corner or all these different kind of things. And and kind of to get into the second half of the question. I can't help but, and I think that this is maybe why I feel pause in the whole scenario, is because I can't help but view it through Tyrion's lens. And Tyrion in this scenario is concerned. And then we have this Tyrion and Varys conversation later. And so I think that we're getting a lot of this, is Danny like her father? Because these are things that Tyrion and Varys are kind of dealing with right now. And so I, I feel like that's making me a little bit more biased in how I feel about the situation, just because that's how Tyrion feels. Mm-hmm. It's also, we haven't seen Tyrion drink all season until this episode. And I don't know that we've ever seen Varys drink wine. And I was so focused on Varys drinking that I wasn't thinking about the last time we saw Tyrion do I that. I think it was just in Blackwater, but it might have been water that he drank. But I think they were sharing that drink there when uh, they were putting Tyrion's armor on and he was giving Tyrion that final speech. I was curious because I thought the same thing. I mentioned it on our episode on Monday, but he might have been drinking water. Oh, that's when Ver... But if Blackwater was the only other time, then, I mean, they were getting sacked. Right. Yeah, they they were definitely... The writing seemed to be making you question that. But Mm -hmm. I'm just not... I'm not sure that I was completely buying Tyrion's concern and again like I I feel like this scene was running into the same thing that we were seeing with John and Sansa earlier which is like why why didn't you talk about this before you got in front of everybody right like now's not the time to have an aside because obviously it's going to look like you're undermining her authority so if you had a problem with this like you probably should have discussed it with her before you you all flew off to engage in crazy dragon battles. Right. Knowing full well what was going to be the outcome. Right. Or what the likely outcome would be in a situation like this. Right. We've seen a few scenes like this with Rob, Rick Ricard Stark, and mm-hmm. with Theon and Roger Cassell. But this was, I think, 
I don't know if the ambiance of just the supreme power, also Drogon looking beautiful and Daenerys yeah. looking beautiful. It just it was very conf- a lot of conflicting and confusing emotions. And with the Tarleys being so stubborn and having the options so clearly laid out, and having Tyrion just having everybody trying so hard to just kind of make the situation not in this way, I feel like she almost reluctantly just had to do it because she said it, which again is a kind of a bad reason. And it could be considered maybe a slippery slope, but I just think like her her opponents are not Jon Snow anymore. I think that she might just let Jon Snow keep the North now after these conversations. I don't know. He's saying mm-hmm. King and Your Grace a lot around her, but her enemies are Cersei and the White Walkers. I mean, they're not going to be any nicer to their victims. You know what I mean? Look at what she did to yeah the sand snakes yeah totally this comment that we got on watchers i think summarizes that well from fierce as a wolverine who said from a modern moral perspective of course not which i think of course we're going to look at it from that lens so we're going to have that bias and they go on to say but in but in worlds and in context yes she is establishing the rules by which she intends to govern which include amnesty for those who swear fealty and punishment for those who don't and this is a great point. Randall, on his part, established that he was xenophobic, racist, and had no intention of swearing allegiance to her. Like Rob Stark and Jon Snow, she had to follow through on the consequences of his decision. Yeah, also John and Slint. Yeah. I will say the thing that I think the thing that people probably are picking up on is the expression that Daenerys tends to have on her face when she kills people. Like when like John and Janos slint in season five you could tell that that like it pained john to do that even though he knew that he needed to it was the only way for him to establish himself as lord commander but he wasn't like pleased by it or it you could tell that it didn't sit well with him whereas with daenerys in both this situation and with the calls in season six when she burned down um that the main temple invades Dothrak. She kind of gets this look on her face that's like a little bit satisfied that she now has one fewer enemy to deal with. And I get that because these have never been good men that she's killing. Randall was obviously a terrible person, but like Dickon wasn't. Dickon was just like a young right. the young son of this lord and I think I think that that might have something to do with it. Is that she kind she tends to do these things that are pretty brutal, and she doesn't smirk the way that Cersei does, but she also doesn't seem to feel any conflict about it. I know that you've been writing about this a lot during season seven. Where do you think that Daenerys is headed, based on these clues and based on, I guess, how she would interact as a character with John, knowing what we know about him as well. It's funny because I, yeah, I put out an article last week or the week before. It was before, or yeah, right after Spoils of War about the sort of breakdown of the potential that she might be following in her father's footsteps a little too closely. And I, I definitely don't think that they're leaning into that too much, but clearly based on the conversation with Tyrion and Varys, the writers want us to be aware that that is a possibility. I don't necessarily think that it's likely to happen. And I do think that she has a, she has a good moral compass, but she just tends to be motivated by vengeance a little bit more than John is. John tends to, I feel like what happens with John more is he tries to do the right thing 
just in general by by everybody, by the free folk and by the people in the North. And then that winds up forcing him to take responsibility for something. Whereas Daenerys tends to seek out responsibility and then figure out what's best for the people, if that makes sense. It makes total sense. And I think that Danny also struggles herself with her history and her bloodline and who she is. And we see her early on, especially thinking a lot about whether this is bookism or showism. I mean, this is something that she thinks a lot about as she thinks about who she wants to be. And so I like that there's a subtlety of that running through because at the end of the day, she's a Targaryen and she has that fierceness about her. And that doesn't have to be a bad thing at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's going to be something that that's present. Yeah. With the cliffside scene, gratuitously long, not complaining. One of my favorites in the series. <laughs> and I did love that conversation. It was it, it just strange seeing those two characters having that kind of conversation. Normally they are talking to subordinates or friends about either really pressing business matters or super relaxed friend stuff. And in this case, it was just these two sort of having a verbal sparring like we haven't seen them have since early in the show when we didn't really know them quite well because they're just getting to know each other here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think had we not had that scene with Danny and John and her explaining her reasoning to him, I would be maybe more concerned about Mm -hmm. where she's going in her headspace, but I really appreciated her perspective on it. And I was like, yeah, you're, you're right that you probably do have to do terrible things and you already have done terrible things. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, and so as long as they are ultimately the better people to have in that position of strength, then Cersei like 100%. So yeah, I I liked that they gave that to us because I think it allowed I think it allowed people to cut her a little more slack than they maybe mm-hmm. would have otherwise. So we have another comment that I think brings up an interesting point from Dark Sister who says, "Well, I'm okay with Danny using her dragons during a battle. I don't think she should make a habit out of sentencing those who oppose her to death by dragon fire. I support her actually sentencing the Charlies to death, but burning them alive only serves to reinforce the belief that she is similar to her father." Which I, I think was interesting, the optics of it playing into this propaganda that Cersei's spreading about the fact that she's her father or that she's coming from a foreign land with all these foreign people backing her false claim. Um, so I think, you know, on one hand, I think that's an interesting proposition. Maybe she should have done it a different way. But on the other hand, she's got her dragons, so what's a girl to do? But, <laughs> but I do think that the, the optics of that maybe versus the politics of it yeah. is an interesting differentiation. I see why people would think that at the same time. I'm actually surprised that the episode title, The Queen's Justice, was used earlier on and not in this episode or maybe another one because technically you have Sir Ellen Payne in King's Landing who carries out the King's Justice. And te- like Drogon is effectively just Daenerys's form <laughs> of her own queen's justice like you have ned stark's lesson of whoever passes a sentence should swing the sword well she's not going to literally cut anybody's head off but drogon's kind of the next closest way for her to personally be doing it without actually doing it yeah i really like swords but that's way better than having a sword yeah right right and i and i think the optics of having a dothraki cut off the head of a Westeros even worse. with their Arak. Yeah. 
might be, be worse. arguably worse. Yeah. Who knows? She needs a great sword. That would be that would she needs John you and Longclaw oh, to be her uh, this is just her Queen's Justice. I can't wait until season eight. We <laughs> <laughs> got a long way to go. Yeah. I know that we're deep into Game of Thrones' seventh season. One of the most exciting parts of being this far in the series is seeing all of our beloved characters from the beginning of the series who didn't know each other now finding their way to destiny with one another in strange and exotic places. This whole entire season, we've been consulting our maps as our favorite characters travel all over Westeros every episode. And if you're looking for a new and better way to experience it, iBooks has an exclusive version of George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones called the Enhanced Editions that help you keep track of the storylines and the characters in a fun and interactive way. Whenever a new character is introduced or brought back after a while, aka Gendry, their name appears in bold and it tells you who they are, how they got there, and how they're related to the story. When you're reading through the text like Gilly and you come across a name like Rhaegar Targaryen that might be important, you can simply click on a little crown in the text and a footnote pops up so you'll never need to consult the internet for the Targaryen family tree Again, these books have everything you could wish for. Interactive maps, house histories, a stunning sigil guide, author notes from George R. R. Martin, and amazing illustrations that bring the Game of Thrones world to life. These books are available exclusively on iBooks. Go to apple.co slash Game of Thrones to check them out. They're not available in all countries, but they're probably available where you live. That's apple.co slash Game of Thrones. The realm needs you, and you need these books. You know what I was thinking about from Blackwater Bay episode when Varys tells Tyrion he's the only one who can stop Stannis? Mm-hmm. And then in this episode, Varys is basically telling Tyrion that he's the only one who can keep Danny in line. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Holy crap. That's pretty cool. Are you trying to say that Varys is a red priest? <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say. Just that Varys <laughs> thinks Tyrion rocks. I mean, if he's <laughs> a mermaid know. and a red priest, it explains <laughs> the kind of power this man wields. That's impressive. Yeah. Anyway, sidebar. Um, next question. But in Old Town, the plot thickens. Gilly stumbles upon a truth bomb hidden inside of a book. That has got to completely change the dynamic of whatever is happening with John and Danny now in season seven. Or do you think they won't mind? Or, I mean, that that's not possible. Yeah. This is going to be something. What is it going to be? Well, first of all, can I just geek out over the fact that if Rhaegar had his marriage to Elia annulled and then wed Lyanna Stark, that makes John an actual Targaryen. An actual Targaryen, an actual prince. And with Lyanna's whole repetition of promise me Ned, promise me Ned, he's literally the prince that was promised. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, that one word. The annulment heard around the world. Oh. I feel like because <laughs> it, it it changed you know it it plays into this whole Arthur Cycles J things, but it completely changes the way we see it. It can change depending on who you are, the way you look at Rhaegar. Period, yeah. um, and the fact that exactly as you're saying, Kim, that he's literally a prince that was promised at this point, and it it verifies and solidifies that he's not just a bastard; he's actually legitimate, and so. With Gilly's, you know, small, Ugh. seemingly small to her um, discovery, I feel like this theory that we've been thinking about, and as we were talking about earlier, we've known about forever. It's the you know, first theory that you learn about when you finish reading A Song of Ice and Fire. Right. Annulment, I feel like, plays such a significance in, in that. So I'm 
been excited to hear what you guys think about that and and how that has changed that whole theory in your mind, if it has at all. It totally does. Because I think even when I was thinking about R plus L equals J in the past, I still thought John is a bastard. He's just a more important bastard than he realized or right it's just he just got some of the blood in him yeah right like he's still the song of ice and fire like all of those things are still true about him but the fact that he's actually the next in line of succession above Daenerys like people always talked about well what would Daenerys do like would she concede to him even though he wasn't legitimized and all this stuff and the fact that if 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 and of course this all hangs on like Will Sam actually figure out that this matters? Will he be able to convince anybody else that it's real, et cetera, et cetera? Like, then what do they do? And I think having having that annulment slash mar- second marriage makes it very like way more likely that people would rally behind John. Whereas if he was a bastard, that might not be the case. I don't know, guys. I don't know. I'm not ready. Just as the same way that I was not ready to see John and Daenerys in the same room, now I'm like back in that same headspace where I am not ready for like the world to know mm-hmm. that John is like Prince John Targaryen. Yeah, that's different. Heir to the Iron Throne. Ah! That's different. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah, that's some other stuff. Thanks, Gilly. I know. Thanks, yeah. Gilly. Gilly, and also can just again, the fact that people agonized forever over how we would find out or how anyone in Westeros would find out. And everyone's like, oh, Howland Reed's going to come out of the woods and et cetera, et cetera. It's like, no, it's freaking Gilly being a badass, reading a book, which she couldn't even read four seasons ago. A couple seasons ago. Now now she's reading the most important line of text ever spoken (laughs) in the show. (laughs) It's wild. It's amazing. It's wild. And, And so the second half of this question is, Will when, if and when, will John learn the truth about his parentage? And is that going to come from Sam and Gilly? Is that going to come from Bran or somebody else? I think that that's still up for debate. And also whether or not we'll actually get that in season seven. If this is just a nod to us as as fans to say, hey, you know, we're paying attention to this. And if John's going to find out next season or if we think in the next two weeks, he's going to come to terms or or understand or be told about this i'm not really sure but i know that that's a question we've had all season basically is is when is this actually going to come for for john cliffhanger yeah i mean for him they love a good cliffhanger maybe the last shot will be john in his armor riding a dragon oh Oh, yeah riding a a dragon (laughs) on a cliff no it better be john with ghost okay yeah honestly (laughs) That's the real crime that's happening here. It's not that John doesn't know who his parents are. It's that he's been separated from his dog. I saw that somebody photoshopped Ghost into the scene where he met Drogon, and I realized that that, that the scene was so not cool. complete. Yeah, it just wasn't complete. The show's just not complete without Ghost by Jon Snow's side. No, Bias, it's not. But-, but, but sorry, I didn't mean to, to go into Ghost tangent. I feel like they're doing a very slow drip of... The parentage reveal mm, that you I think. right, <laughs> right. Yeah. I know. I don't think that they are. I know that they are. But I, because I, before we saw the Tower of Joy, I think I assumed that whenever we finally saw Liana, it would be like full exposition spelled out. Oh my God! Everybody knows now, and it is interesting that they're 
they're like they didn't even name Liana in Mm -hmm. the Gilly text that she read. She just said that he was remarried. She didn't say to who. And I'm just like, I I I think that that's gonna continue. And maybe we get more and more hints. You know, I feel like practically every episode this season has had some nod to it, whether it's Drogon surprise flying over as soon as he says, I'm not a Stark or whatever. But I feel like they're, they, I feel like they're saving it for season eight for him to find out. I think so too. They're probably saving that. I think so too at this point. Mm. Hmm. If at all, what if he never knows? I would. Should I just not even say that? That's a terrible thing to say. I mean, what if, what if he never finds out? Oh my god, that would be. I feel like for us as fans, that would be the most unbelievably frustrating thing that right? <laughs> could ever happen. Especially because, I mean, we we got the beginning of the Tower of Joy at the beginning of season six, right? And we spent all of season six asking, "When is John going to find out? When is John going to find out?" We finally got the second half of it near the end of season six, and now here we are every episode trying not to put this question in every single one of our recaps but yeah here we are this is the third question we've got two episodes left in season seven i guess one dramatic pause (laughs) yeah one that hasn't been linked what theories and potential plot lines are you most looking forward to and hannah's only taken one of your answers (laughs) and put it into the doc (laughs) i know that we had a lot of them but i think definitively (laughs) bella's bell Says Clegane Ball with four exclamation points. Yeah, get hyped. <laughs> it's the only one we needed. I'm 2K17. sorry. <laughs> Can I also throw in one that's kind of akin to Clegane Ball? Please. Uh, Ice Spiders, big yes. as hounds. 2K17. You were very important Twitter poll that everybody voted very correctly in before we found out the, the title of this next episode. I know. They've mentioned it twice now in the show. And I just really want it to happen. I know that that would be terrifying. But it's supposed to be. Like the White Walkers, I feel like almost at this point, we've gotten a little too used to like what the Night King looks like and White Walkers. They don't like, they don't totally scare me anymore. Not like they used to. Not like they used to. Season five, Night King, he scared me. Hard Home Night King, you can't watch. I like couldn't watch Hard Home at first because I was so stressed. It's terrifying. But I think, yeah, I think that they because they used the Night King for virtually all of the season seven promo stuff. I'm, I feel like I've been a little bit desensitized to it, but oh my God, if you have an army of ice spiders, like crawling that are as big as hounds back in the game, I, you're right back to making me even more terrified of this zombie apocalypse. Do you think we can get ice spiders next episode? Like you think on Sunday? Ice spiders could be a possibility. That would be the time, right? Because I mean, mm-hmm. if they weren't gonna, if anything, they probably should have showed up in Hard Home because that's the last time that they were mentioned. Remember, one of the wildling leaders kind of scoffed at the idea of White Walkers, right? And he said, like, yeah, people also say that there are ice spiders as big as hounds or something. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, you just jinxed it. They're about to show up. Yeah, that that's like the the Game of Thrones surefire way, right? And so, yeah, I feel like if they didn't show up at Hard Home, they have to show up next time, and then maybe we give up forever. But I still really want it. I want it. It would be very cool. Yeah. Well, damn. Any other theories? Like, what are... I've been thinking about... 
there's so many people that we haven't checked in on a while. Like you think about all of the Grey Joys, we haven't seen them in a while. So I'm kind of curious about Edmure. Still rowing. (laughs) Still rowing. (laughs) But yeah, sorry, Grey Joys. I was going to mention that. What's going on with them? Conversation from this past episode, the mention of the Drowned God coming to destroy Aegon the Conqueror. Mm, mm -hmm. Yet to be fulfilled prophecy. Hmm. Interesting. He just said it out loud. And it might have just been a, a nod, just like the rowing joke was a nod, just like so many of the things in this episode were nods to the fan community. I don't know, but it would be cool. While we're talking about mythical creatures also, like what if it's not the drowned god, but what if we get a kraken? Yes. A giant kraken. That would be very cool. That would be cool. I know that Euron is supposed to be this super evil, larger than life character. And I feel like while we've had a little bit of that this season i mean he's definitely i mean again him coming down onto theon and yard's ship was <laughs> very intense i came but in like a <laughs> there's sm- still more unfulfilled there and so i'm curious as to where he is and what is going on with him next mm-hmm. that's what i'm excited about if we get that in the next two episodes i don't know if the show's gonna go there even in the eighth season or if any of the spinoffs will even touch that kind of grandeur and the kind of horror that, that George R. R. Martin might be including in the Winds of Winter and beyond. But um, it would be cool. But I guess just if I had to zoom in on season seven, I'm so excited to see what these men walk into north of the wall. I mean, we're getting an episode that is actually called North of the Wall. Yeah. Beyond the Wall. Oh, sorry. Beyond the Wall, which is even cooler. Yeah. Oh, I'm very excited about this episode. I loved that shot, too, because John John just wanted to be a ranger. That's all he wanted, was to be a ranger of the Night's Watch and go beyond the wall and fight wildlings and protect the realm. And part of me feels like he signed up for this mission right away because he doesn't really care about being king. He doesn't really care about the politics of the realm like he wants to just go be a badass ranger and that's exactly what he's about to do i think absolutely you see you see him having that conversation with with danny and jorah volunteers to go do that and john's just itching to be in part of the action i feel like Mm -hmm. like yeah this is his element he's in it if he's got to drop a cold ass white walker he's gonna make it look sexy right uh, yeah i really want this yeah. you guys know about his classic spin move oh yeah oh yeah come on the spin and kill i've seen that other movie he's in what's it called pompeii yeah i've seen pompeii i think, I, I think i've only seen gifts of shirt of shirtless kid hey treat yourself in pompeii <laughs> treat yourself treat yourself that's it <laughs> this definitely rolls into and we can keep talking about just kind of general season seven looking forward because I think there's still a lot to discuss there. But our bonus question was who, if anyone, in John's band of brothers will die beyond the wall? Beyond the wall. This is a tough one to face, but we've got these seven men heading out and it's the second to last episode of the season, which we know is a risky time for character faves. I'm trying to do like process of elimination of who definitely is going to make it. John. <laughs> yeah, John has to make it. Uh, I also feel like Gendry is safe because he just came back into the show. Mm-hmm. God, what if he's one of the first to go because of that, just to shock people? That would be crazy. But would it have the same shock factor, though? Because he's 
just back. I feel like right. in terms of people who are just back with Danny, we can talk about Jora. Right. Jora, I'm worried about because that would probably be the most heartbreaking. Like the idea that he finally just went through all of this. He literally had himself flayed for her, came back to her side said he just wanted to serve her, immediately left again, and, like, what if he just mm-hmm. dies? North of the wall to come back as a white. <sighs> no, Damn. he would burn. His body would burn, right? Oh, my God. What if we see white Hodor? Don't you dare. Oh, okay. No. That would be, <laughs> like, the spiders. As scary as the spiders. Yeah. Yeah. Ice Hodor's biggest hands. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. <laughs> but, no, I think, I think in that respect, I'm most worried about Jorah because I think that that would have the most emotional impact. Like Beric and Thoros, I definitely love. And the Hound, I don't know. Sandor can't die. He can't. Clegane hasn't happened yet. Yeah. <gasps> it's true. Sandor true, true, true. can't die. How dare I entertain that thought. So I rest did. easy, I everyone. Saw, I saw some great theories cropping up that I'm sure were jokes, but they're still amazing. That like, what if... Because the whole point of them going on this mission is for them to get a white and bring it back. But what if one of them dies and becomes a white and then that's the white that they bring back? And what if it's the hound (laughs) and then you have zombie hound and zombie mountain fighting? (sighs) Well, so we got a ton of comments on that. Because, so this is actually, okay, Norm from Watchers on the Wall said, I think it's possible that the Hound will die beyond the wall and they bring him back. It may be easier to convince Cersei with a white who she knows. Which, so, I don't know. But I I think that this idea of bringing somebody back that they are from, like, one of their people back Mm -hmm. is interesting. And I think, and a lot of people commented in on that. But imagine, yeah, a white Hound and a zombie mountain. So Clugamble is bigger than we ever thought it would be. Wow. That'd be insane. Also, though, this brings up kind of an interesting, I don't, I, I, it's not a plot hole per se, but people have pointed out that like this whole mission is so that Cersei believes that undead things exist, but like her literal lead Queensguard I know. is an undead man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. I'm not thrilled about it. Same. But. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> I'm just going with it. <laughs> we can move on. Let's I think we can talk circles in into how this all maybe doesn't make sense, but I'm going to go with it. Yeah. Great. I don't like any of the theories that involve Sandor dying, but I really appreciate everyone's feedback. We got so many different thoughts on this matter, and I think that everyone agrees that Jorah's going to die, which, oh, man. I just feel like that makes the most sense. And who knows? Maybe there's more than one person who's not going to make it. Yeah. And Jorah and the Hound could die. But. We really haven't had any big deaths. I mean, Olena, that was tragic for sure, but she's also one of the oldest people right. in Westeros. So, like, it, it sucked, but at least she lived to a ripe old age. Well, there have been all those think pieces that are like, is Game of Thrones losing its edge because none of the main characters have been killed off this season? Or we're well overdue for... Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't think that's wrong. We are overdue. And it's. I think it's silly of us to to think that all these guys are going to make it out just of this story in general. I mean, there's going to be some tragic deaths ahead of us. And if we don't get a few of them out of the way in season seven, mm-hmm. all of season eight is just going to be episode after episode of our faves mm-hmm. not making it. So I do think that it, it's going to have to happen 
And so it's just a matter of time and, and who and, and when. Mm-hmm. I think that everyone in that party is kind of fave status after that jail scene. So if if and when that goes down next episode, that's going to be sad. But there's going to be yeah. so much chaos likely. It's going to be really good. I'm really, really looking forward to it. I think this might be the most excited I've been for any episode this season. Well, you could watch it right now, Hannah, if you'd like. <laughs> I could watch it right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, True. if Gendry went down after just having that beautiful axe, that would be just like them to take it, take that hope away from us. What we could have had. If Gendry goes down, it will be have been the ultimate fan service of here's Gendry yeah. for 10 minutes and now let's make him die. They can't So, do yeah, that. I don't think they're going to do that. I've been wrong before, though. Yeah, and I'll be wrong again. <laughs> I believe that now is the appropriate time for us to ask you, Kim, your own of this episode. My own 100% goes to John <laughs> for petting Drogon in such a magnificent manner that it made me completely forget how gross his fingernails were. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, just, I looked right past it and stopped caring, even though... Was right in my face. It was tough. <laughs> it was tough, but he he managed to make that beautiful. And my lord, I will just watch that scene over and over again. Got to get you a printout of that to put on your desk. Uh, yeah, I may or may not just look at the GIF every thirty <laughs> minutes just for a pick me up. You know, that you're doing amazing, sweetie. One has been replaced with yeah. <laughs> John John petting Drogon, yeah. and then Danny looking down and thinking. You're doing amazing, sweetie. Oh, yes. That's the new one. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yep. Oh, my God. Yep. That's the new one. I'll make it. You need to. Like the moment when she, f- you know, you know, when she's looking at yeah, him, she's she a little bit over. like, whoa. It's almost like a, you're doing amazing, sweetie. Like it's like a question mm-hmm. mark because she seems a, a little surprise. unsure of what to make of it. But yeah. That's hilarious, Kim. You have to make that. I swear <laughs> to God, people are going to love it. That's so funny. <laughs> I won't make it. Power Howard just tweeted at you, Hannah, from our account. What did they tweet? Because you didn't retweet it back on the 13th. And he goes, thought this one had what it takes, Hannah. Sad face. No. Yeah. This kind of stuff gets me right in the heart. You should tweet back at him. I mean, this is a funny tweet. Hashtag dad of, dad of the year 2K17. Surely. And you said, you know, all you have to do is say 2K17. Okay. I'll say it as a first one on here. That's the plan. Okay. Glad we're all on board. Hey, this is Haley from The Manimals. Here's our song, Lone, from our Game of Thrones concept album, Seven, which we will be performing live at the Long Night's Watch Party at the Bell House in Brooklyn on Sunday, August 27th for the finale. We'll be alongside Game of Owns and all of our friends. We're really looking forward to partying and celebrating this fun season with you guys. Enjoy your owns. First, from Twitter, we have Steve Howard at Power Howard who says, Own to Gendry for having that overnight bag packed. Hashtag Dad of the Year 2K17. Jesse Leonard, my own goes to HBO for making me think an episode called Eastwatch would actually take place in Eastwatch. Hashtag you got me. Tricksters. We all got him. Got us all. Ian Wagner says, Own to Tormund's love for, quote, the big woman. Series ends with Brienne and Tormund kissing on a cliff at sunset. Hashtag Tormund and Brienne 2K18. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no. into it. A little forward wow. thinking here. <laughs> Next, we have Lauren DeWitt who says, Own to all the people that Googled about the merits of fermented crab erections last night. <laughs> Hashtag Davos is the fandom. And then they, they included a picture of the spike in, in Google 
from uh, fermented crab The spike erection. would go right through your plate mail. Jesus. Yeah. The interest over time just goes from absolutely nothing. Nothing. <laughs> to like a hundred people. It's so great. That's fantastic. Ginny of Tarth on Twitter owned Thoros for being literally me all the time with his, I'm going to need to be buzzed for this swig of wine before going beyond the wall. Madison Kelly says... Anti owned a Sam for ignoring the most crucial info in the entire series. Hashtag never interrupt Gilly. Hashtag Gilly as a goddess. Hashtag John is legitimate. Mr. Howie owned to Randall's son for knowing that nothing compliments a nice roast Charlie like a side of Dick and Flambe. Hashtag drug on barbecue. Hashtag what's for dinner. Phil Jack on Twitter owned to Danny for taking her relationship with John to the next level and introducing him to her kids. Hashtag single mother of dragons. Arissa Cox. Own goes to the posse of regulators going north of the wall for being the greatest squad goals of all time. Claire Tarthnister says Own to Cersei for always figuring out a way to keep a tight grip on Jamie's balls. I'm mad <laughs> at Jamie right now. Can you tell? I don't think I can tell. I can't tell. Anya Chadov, my own goes to Ghost for taking a much needed vacation, I guess. Hashtag, how could you go north without Ghost? Real. And That's, that's so real. Honorary so hashtag real. real. Logan Bishop on Twitter who says Own to Littlefinger. Just when everyone thinks he's weak and powerless, he pops out of the shadows and asks you to hold his ear. <laughs> Such a good own. House Targaryen. I have a disown to Braun for not letting Jamie sink. He should have, as Jamie has lost his damn mind. <laughs> Ouch. Man, there's so much Jamie hate in these owns right now. We'll get through it. At Training Maester, own to Jorah. My man held hands, hugged, and kissed Khaleesi. Suck it, Jon Snow. Suck it, Jon Snow. <gasps> That's so funny. That's good. Mace Tyrell's ghost just says, Gentry, period, space, space, bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Which I thought was so funny. Bye. Aw, it's Beauty Brienne. She says, Dickon and Randy. Dickon and Randy. <laughs> <laughs> that was on purpose. She knows what she's doing. Okay. Dickon and Randy Tarly get it. You can do this. See what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? Dickon and Randy Tarly get an own for sticking to their guns. Their melted, charred, ash heap guns. Oof. Hashtag RIP Dickon's muscles. Real. I knew them well. Wenda the White Fawn, who says, Own to the young Ned and Robert bromance callbacks i actually gasped when gendry grabbed the warhammer hashtag robert reborn hashtag bastard bros hashtag he'll do he'll do quite nicely the scholar knight owned to torment for always keeping his bay in mind the big woman hashtag oh sorry hashtag the big woman hashtag we all thought she should be there hashtag torment loves brianne 2k17 jomo fucking ryan (laughs) (laughs) yeah great twitter handle gendry for starting off a bromance with john in a cave Mm mm-hmm Best place to do it. Best place to do it. Love me some Johns and Caves. Oh, yeah. Jared Kozal says, Own to John and all members of hashtag SEAL Team Snow undertaking a dangerous mission beyond the wall. May they bring the dawn. Hashtag last heroes. That gave me chills. Yeah, that's a good one. Gary Manis, the menace, own to J plus G equals Gendry. Hashtag Bastard Bros. Allison Fennessy owns to Gilly for proving that good things happen when girls read books. Yay! Hell yeah. Heathen King, who says, I was gonna say own to Fermented Crab until, in all caps, Gendry's Warhammer caved in some faces. Hashtag that'll put a hole in your armor. Hashtag my hammer's bigger than your hammer. Radio Westeros, they tweet, own to the Golden Colts for dying with erections. Lizel. 
says, Owen to John for assembling his own version of the Power Rangers. Hashtag, we're all breathing. 2K17. Emily Boner, who says, Owen to John, proving his boyfriend potential, hanging out with Danny's oldest kid. Hashtag, mom approved. Ronald Holmes, Owen to Jamie for being so rational with Cersei. Yeah. Joffrey was the worst. No, you can't beat Dothraki, and you definitely can't beat dragons. Rebecca J. McFarland says, Own to the sheer number of blossoming bromances John has going on in this episode. The bro squad is so big, he <laughs> won't even have time for Daenerys, depending on who survives the North. Hashtag Jondry, hashtag Jonvos, hashtag Jonra, hashtag Jonmond. I, that's beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. Beautiful. Leslie Wagner says gratuitous own to Jamie and Braun for pulling off the Houdini underwater trick of a lifetime. Shane Powers owned to Sir Davos for dropping the nuggets of wisdom all episode like nothing fucks you harder than time. Hashtag thought you might still be Rowan. Hashtag Westerosi Tony Robbins. Roxana Garcia owned to my boy Gendry who's been waiting for his Uber driver named Davos to pick him up and take him into action. (laughs) He even had time for some arts and crafts. Good on you boy. Good on you. Shannon Spicer own goes to Sam for getting into the restricted section without an invisibility cloak and finally taking charge. Hashtag don't need no stinking cloak. Hashtag everyone make horcruxes. Hashtag where's ghost 2k17. Honestly Heather Bechtold, another own to the excessive use of transporters in this episode. The only ones that don't seem to have any are the White Walkers and their army. Or are they just very, very slow? Hashtag beam me up, Scotty. Lou Jan, own to the Night King who's about to get a buffet of snow, hound, big woman obsessed ginger, grayscale survivor, onion knight, and Olympic champion rowers served to him on an icy platter. Hashtag guys. Hashtag this is a terrible idea. Hashtag hope Beric charged his sword. <laughs> <laughs> you got Hashtag full hearts. Guys. <laughs> I love that. Hashtag guys. Nathaniel Taylor. Own to Gilly for going from illiterate inbred savage to dropping the biggest bit of information in the history of the show. Sam Rosenberg owned a ghost for getting a name drop so that we know he is waiting patiently for John's return. Hashtag man's best friend. Hashtag the pack survives. Hashtag don't forget your dire wolf. Charles Michael. Owned to Davos for saying what we were all thinking, that he thought Gendry might still be rowing. <laughs> hashtag voice of the people. Hashtag Davos for Prez 2020. Gemma Morris says, owned to the fermented crab. Wonder if Jamie used a bit of that. Hashtag baby Lannister 2K18. Hashtag Joffrey the second. Hashtag poor year on. It's 2K18s, man. There are a lot of layers in that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Anna Morial. Oh, that's not how you say it. Anna Morial. Said the same way. Own to Davos for saying what we all have been thinking. Hashtag, I thought you were still rowing. Hashtag, Gendry's three-hour tour. And can somebody please tell Sam to stop talking over Gilly? Hashtag, what's an annulment? Hashtag, please pack that book. Adam Spindler, own to the Princess Shireen for teaching Gilly to read. So good. Thank you. I like that one a lot. And last but not least, we have Bob Kaposia who says, own to Gendry. Now his row has ended. Now his rose ended. Shall not end until his death. Okay. Did you see Ashura High in reference to Gendry's return? <laughs> what? <laughs> like he's now Ashore. Ashura High, you know. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know. I know exactly what you're talking about. The Smith that was promised. Pretty cool. <laughs> Thank you for sending in owns this week, everyone. This was an episode that ended with the Hound and Jon Snow. All those other guys too, but most importantly, the Hound and the Jon Snow uh, walking with each other towards something so death thank you cool episode so cool if you want to send in your own you can do so in a number of different ways you can find us on twitter at game of owns or on facebook by searching for game of owns 
or send us an email to contact at gameofbones.com. Kim, I don't know if we could have had you on a more perfect episode just with the night's events and how far it's taken us into the witching hour. Isn't that crazy? I feel like I partially caused it. It's a bit strange, <laughs> right? It well, almost didn't feel real. Something that people who are listening might not fully understand is that we took about a 45-minute break in the middle of recording <laughs> because we just couldn't stop chatting. These leaks have derailed us all. Yeah, this leaks in the midst of some of the most important you know the most important episodes of the show yeah it's it's nuts and twitter accounts are being hacked and i don't know yeah can't get a handle on it you should announce the show oh yeah oh yeah yeah how just say we'll be together again soon uh okay (laughs) kim rimfro when will we see you next in two weeks right less than so soon Because you guys are coming to New York City, right? We are. That's right. We're going to be in Brooklyn, New York. That's how people say it, right? They say Brooklyn and then New York. Or like Brooklyn. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's where we're going to be. I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. (laughs) August 27th, the night of the season seven finale, we will be hosting an event with some of our friends, History of Westeros, and the band, The Manimals, and strong handful of others and hopefully all of you at the bell house in brooklyn which is an amazing venue such a cool space and we have a lot of fun things planned for the night's festivities basically just having fun with another opportunity to bring our friends together like con of thrones but to celebrate one of the last finales that we're going to have in the series. That's so sad. We kicked off the season, essentially, with Con of Thrones in Nashville, so there's no better way for us to end it than all together, once again, some of us in in Brooklyn to to enjoy the finale. So I'm super excited. There's going to be a lot of great people there, and hopefully a lot of you will be able to come join us as well. Kim. I'll be there. Kim will be there. Come say hi. It's going to be awesome. Preparing our Targaryen best black leather, tip to toe. Top the tips? Is that how you say it? (laughs) We'll work on Either it. way, <laughs> both of them work. <laughs> if you're nearby or interested in going, this will be a private event, but you can check out the information and join us by heading over to tlnw.party, the Long Night's Watch Party. And <laughs> we'll see you soon. Our watch has nearly ended. Yeah, if we have to, if we, if the season has to end, then let's all have it end while we're in the same room. Yeah. It's going to be a full night. And like I said, we'll have more information on the website. So for now, we just want to tell you about that. If you're local and you'd like something to do that night, we would love to hang out with you. We'll be back early next week with season seven, episode six, Beyond the Wall. And we will have not watched it before then. I promise you, cross my heart, hope to die. And I know at this point you're part of the squad, but we're very grateful for you to come on being the senior culture reporter at Insider and covering what you've been covering throughout the season, being on top of things like you have. This all just sort of worked out in the best way and we couldn't have asked for a cooler and more fun recording tonight so thanks for joining us again kim yeah thank you i'm glad that this wound up being so serendipitous and yeah anyone listening you can find me on twitter at kim r renfro and my writing is also on thisisinsider.com and yeah come hang out come hang out in new york in for the finale if you can that'd be awesome and yeah, thanks so much, you guys. This has been so fun. I can't believe how <laughs> manic our lives are these days, but I, I it's so fun. couldn't pick two more people that I would rather <laughs> spend three hours Skyping with on, oh, thanks so on much. Wednesday night about it. So. Same, 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 same. Yeah. I think that's all for us, everyone. We'll see you soon. Night.
And before we go, we'd like to let you know that iBooks has an exclusive version of George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones called the Enhanced Editions that help you keep track of the storylines and the characters in a fun and interactive way. These books are available exclusively on iBooks. Go to apple.co slash Game of Thrones to check them out. They're not available in all countries, but they're probably available where you live. That's apple.co slash Game of Thrones. We'd like to thank iBooks for supporting the show.